You have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 11 this morning. Acts chapter 11, let us stand, beginning in verse 23. It says, Who then he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught uh, much people. And disciples there, disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord, for each heart's here. Lord, we just ask you to open the hearts and our minds, Lord, to receive the words that we stand in need of today, Lord. We'll praise you. We'll glorify you. We'll lift you up. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. If I asked everybody here this morning, they would say that I'm a Christian. You would think as much as the word Christian is thrown around in this world and in the church society today, uh, you think as many times that the word Christian has been used over and over and over, you would think in the Bible that it had been used more than just the times it had been. If you do a word study, the word Christian only appears in the Bible in some form of shape or fashion three times. Three times. Acts chapter eleven twenty six, which we just read, being the first time, uh, uh, that the other time you'll find in Acts 26, and the last account you'll find in Peter chapter 4. We're living in a day everybody calls themselves Christians. Even if absolutely there's no, no fruit to bear out who they are this morning. Now listen, I want you to catch something this morning. And please don't miss this. In all three passages... The word Christian is used. Nobody calls himself a Christian. Let, let, me, let me say this before we get started. I'm not against you calling yourself a Christian. I am one. I call myself a Christian. It, it, it is a good label to go by, a Christian. But what I'm saying is, in all three texts in the Bible, nobody says I am a Christian. They were called by Christians that because the world looked at them and said, we believe them to be Christians, Christ-like. We're, we're living in a nation that you can be anything, anything, anytime you want to be and stand against God and the Bible and say, I'm a Christian. But that's just not the way it is in scriptures. Today, the scriptures, uh, uh, there are certain sets of guidelines, uh, certain step, uh, steps of uh, 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 standards that you look at and you can determine that a man or a woman is a Christian. We've all met people that claim to be Christians. I, I've seen them come through the churches over the years. But looking at their life, you can tell they have never met God of the Bible. But yet they'll say, I, I'm a Christian. And I say to them, Christians isn't left up to what you think or what you feel like a Christian should be. It's left up what the Bible said. 
God gives us plain instructions on what a Christian should be this morning. What they look like, what they talk like, how they act, where they go, who they associate with. So I want all of us to take a test this morning. We've got to ask ourselves, are we really Christians this morning? The people who rent, look, you look around, your, your family, your kids, and your home, and your parents, and your schools, uh, would everybody look at your life, and without you saying that I'm a Christian, they would look at your life and say, that is a Christian. They look at your speech, they look at your walk, they look at your talk, they even look at what you post. Amen. They look where you go. They look at what you wear, what you listen to. Would anybody around you would say that that lady is a Christian, that man is a Christian? Because that was the way it was in the Bible. They looked at these people and said, they are Christians this morning. We find Paul was called a Christian because of his persuading Acts 26, we find things. Paul is a, a prisoner, and later on he stands before King Agrippa. And he stands before him and gives him a, a, a accounts of all that he's been through. He begins to reason with him with righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. And he starts preaching the gospel to King Agrippa. Man, I love that. He preaches Christ in the Bible. And Agrippa looking at Paul and said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He said, I'm looking at your life, Paul. I'm looking at what you're going through. I, I look how you look. You're, you're in rags. Uh, you've been in prison. You're coming here. You're dirty and everything. And I, I'm sitting up here with the throne. Uh, I've got my buddies all around me. Uh, we're clean. Uh, we got food in our bellies. Uh, when I leave here, I'm going home. When you leave here, you're going back to the cell. Grandpa said, I'm looking at your life and the way you carried it on. You almost persuaded me to be a Christian. He said, I'd almost trade places with you, Paul. Because I see something in your life that I think I need in my life. That, that's a real testimony this morning. Listen, don't miss this. We find that Paul is, in a, is a prisoner in Acts 26. We don't have any, anyone with him. He's all by himself. He is filthy in a prison. He's in chains. His hands and feet are bind. And the Bible said that Agrippa is sitting around and there's all these things going on. He says, you're almost, almost. I almost become a pauper just like you, Paul, because I'm looking at your life. I, I see you got something greater than what I've got. I wonder if you have Christianity that would persuade anybody around you to be a Christian this morning. When they look at your life, they look at you and they say, you got that peace, you got the joy, you got some power that I ain't got. 
They got something that I ain't got in my life. Real Christianity has some persuasion with it this morning. Paul was called a Christian because of his persuasion. Peter was called a Christian because of his perseverance. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 5 is about let none of you suffer as murderers, as thieves, or as evildoers, or busybody in other man's matters. Yes, yet I am suffered as Christ. Let him be not ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. He said there will be times in your life that you're going to suffer. But the difference of the way that a Christian suffers and the world suffers today, the Christian's got something inside of them that helps them persevere, uh, uh, it helps them to endure, it helps them to get through all the suffering that they go through. We're all going to suffer. The Bible says, yea, like all shall live godly and Christ shall suffer persecution. You're not going to get out of it. But the difference in suffering as, a, uh, as the world suffers and as a Christian is, we keep on singing. We keep on smiling. We don't let it put us down. We don't get down with it. We just keep on living for God. We keep on worshiping God. We keep on living the Lord. There's joy in our heart. We keep going to church. We keep reading the Bible. How do you keep doing it? Because you've got something inside of you that the world does not have. But here in Acts 11, the people were called Christians because of their practices. Verse 26, the Bible, the people looked around and said, these disciples were called Christians. They did not call themselves Christians. Somebody else looked, watched their lives and seen what there was going on and called them Christians in first in Antioch. I believe the sad fact is that we live in a day anybody can live wicked and ungodly and say I'm a Christian. I, I know God, but not in the Bible I don't know God. They were certain practices that identify you. So you identify ourselves this morning. There is no need to look around at your husband. There is no need to look around at your wife. There is no need to look at your friend or your neighbor. We're going to have some practices to look in our lives to see that if we are Christians, we need to be identified this morning. And at the end of this message, I pray if you have not identified yourself, you'll come to the altar and get identified with God. God help us to get to the, use these practices that we can be identified as Christians without having to tell somebody that you're a Christian. I've been around a lot of people in my life and, and I heard them and I seen them and I watched their life and, and if they had ever told me they were a Christian, I'd had to call them a liar. Because they just not give that persona as a Christian. They wouldn't live in their life as a Christian. But yet they can identify as a Christian this morning. So there are some things in this, this chapter here that we see that gives us that we can point ourselves and identify ourselves as Christians this morning. 
They were called Christians first at Antioch. The, their message, look at verse 19. Now, they which were scattered abroad upon per persecution that rose after Stephen traveled as, the, as far as Penance and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching word to none but unto the Jews only. The first thing that people noticed them as Christians, they believed the Bible. They're living their life by the word of God. They believe the word. They preach the word. They talk about the word. They live by the word. They taught the word. It was all about the word this morning. Why should we identify Mark? One of our identifying marks should be that we, as Christians, we live the word of God, we practice the word of God, and we talk about the word of God. The fact that you have the message of the Bible, your life tries to line up with the Bible. Listen to me. You just don't believe this book. No, sir. You just don't believe. We believe that because it's the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. Heaven sent. It's the words of the living God. It, it can be transform your life. It, it, it can transform your home. It can transform your family. It can transform our society. We believe the words on these pages. It's just not the words of man. It's the words of the living God. That effectually works in our lives this morning. I'm amazed at how many people claim to be Christians this day. And they don't even believe in the Word of God. They don't have a Bible. They contradict everything that's in the Bible. They will tell you this doesn't belong there, this don't belong that, that verse don't belong there, that chapter don't belong there. This is wrong, that's wrong. I say if the Bible says it's right, it's right. I say if the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. And God has not made a mistake in his word. Every word is there. Every dot is there. Every tittle is there. God has not made a mistake in his word. The first thing that tipped them off in Antioch, they believed the Bible. They didn't live according to the world. They acted like Christ. Now listen, I don't care what a man or a woman says if they're not Christians, they don't believe the Word of God. You cannot tell me I'm a Christian. You cannot tell me I love the Lord, but yet you don't believe the Word of God Himself. And I'm not just talking about part of it. I'm talking about all of it. You'll be amazed how many people, seminaries, that are training preachers today, in the first day to tell them, well, the Bible has mistakes in them. Mm. No, man has mistakes in them. Man's versions has mistakes in them. How, how can you bl not believe the Word of God? If you believe God created the heavens and the earth, then you must believe that this is an inspired Word of God. Then you have to take Genesis and throw it away. God created the heavens and the earth. You're not a Christian, you... You don't believe that. You don't believe the fall of man into sin. Why do you believe that? Because the Bible tells me so. The Bible tells me these things happen. Yeah. 
Verse 20, watching their message, preaching the Lord Jesus. What is the distinction mark if a man, uh, I'm going to be a Christian, that you don't preach baptisms necessary for salvation, that you don't preach speaking in an unknown tongue is necessary for be saved, that you don't preach joining the church is essential to get with God. You just say distinguish us that when it comes to salvation, we preach through faith, through Christ alone, through His blood, and the burial, death, burial, and resurrection. That's it! The message of the church, the message of the Christian, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's the message that saves the world. And it's the message that makes you Christians this morning. Are you a Christian this morning? Do you believe the Bible? Or if you still have questions about some things in the Bible, well, I really, you know, I question that. You know, there's a lot of things in the Bible I don't understand. I don't understand. But I'm going to believe in it. Why? Because it's in His Word. I don't understand everything in it, but I'm going to believe in it. I I don't have the same kind of wisdom that the one that wrote the Bible, because if I did, I'd understand everything in it, but I don't have His wisdom. So I'm just going to accept it. I'm just going to believe it. Amen. We, we see the message that first called them Christians. The manifestation. Second point. Oh, did I tell you this is nine points this morning? I didn't tell y'all that. Wow. I should have told y'all first. You might have left. <laughs> got nine points this morning. I ain't got to them all yet. <laughs> Man, their manifestation, verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. It says the hand of the Lord was upon them. It could not be denied that God was doing something in those people's lives. How, how could you deny it? Because of the persecution that was going on that rose against Stephen? That's the same that one that was Saul, Saul was standing there. Saul created chaos in the church. He's killing people, throwing them into prison. And these people in Antioch saw a group of people that had been persecuted, had to leave their homes, and yet they were still preaching the Lord Jesus, still living for God. They looked at those people and said, That has to be more than just making their minds up. There must have been an unseen hand. There must have been somebody helping them. What should the world see to know that you are a Christian? Not just your message, but your manifestation. When the world watches your life and you're going through persecution and you go through hardships and you go through health problems and your family problems, you go through all the storms of life, they should have wiped you out. They said these things should have just done you in. And yet they watch your life and you're still serving God. You're still praising God. You're still singing the songs of God. 
They said that I can't deny it. There's something different about them. There's an unseen hand at work in their lives. Their manifestation changed lives. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. You see, what makes a Christian different? A changed life. They're, they start watching. They saw a, a drunkard put his bottle down and picked up the Bible and start going to church. Something happened in that life. They start watching one that uh, lived in the streets. Drugs got clean, start coming to church. Something happened in that life. They had, they had no joy. They had no hope. Their heart went, they had no help. But something happened. Now they got joy. There's a smile on their face. That's a real message to tell this morning. How God saved you from the pits of hell and put a smile on your face, a song in your heart that you can come to church and give God the glory for what he's done. Can I tell you that a real manifestation of a Christian life should result into a changed life. Don't, don't tell me you're saved and you're still acting the same way you were before you got saved. Amen. Don't tell me I'm a Christian and I go down to the bars on Saturday night but come to church on Sunday morning. Or, well, I'll just stay home and drink so nobody else sees me. It's not a changed life. You become a Christian, it is a changed life. You're no longer doing those things that are against God. Now you turn away from them and going towards God. Amen. We got too many today that call themselves Christians and yet they're still doing the same things. We see their membership, verse 22. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. They sent forth Barabbas that they should go far as Antioch. Verse 23. Who when he came had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all with the purpose of heavy heart. A heart that would cleave unto the Lord. What is it about their membership that made them take notice that they were Christians? We know that Barnabas names means the son of constellation and an encourager and a comforter. That, that group of people had some encouragement. That, that group of people had some comfort in their assembly. In the membership of the church, they had men and women that would encourage each other, comfort each other whenever things go wrong in your life. Let me just say that every Every church, our church, has to have some of those that will go around and comfort. When a brother or sister is down, we need some people that will go around and says, Hey, I know something wrong with you. I'm going to pray with you. Hey, I want to encourage you. I see that you're going through this rough time. I just want to encourage you. We need some encouragers and comforters in the church today. We should be known as those that comfort and encourage those that are lost in this world. Verse 25, then depart Barnabas to Tarsus, for he seeks Saul. In verse 26, and when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch. Look, I thought about this. Here Barnabas seeing all this stuff that's going on. He said, hey, Antioch is on fire. 
I mean, that got preaching going on, people getting saved, coming to the Lord, everybody turning away from that. But down there where Paul, Saul or Paul was at Tarsus, he says, there ain't no fire going on down there. In fact, the Bible don't even talk about even Bible messages being on down there. But there is Saul by himself down there by himself. So Barnabas goes to get Saul and says, hey, you need to come up here. You need to see what's going on here. There's a lot of shaking going on here. There's a lot of God moving on in here. Let me just say this. Uh, what I'm saying is that when the church gets on fire for God, when the Holy Spirit gets on fire for God, there's a lot of shaking going on. There's a lot of moving going on. There's a lot of excitement going on. You need to go tell somebody. Amen. Amen. We've got so many dead churches today, it's pitiful. You need to get up and tell somebody, hey, won't you come down there and hear that old dumb preacher we got? If anything else, he's loud, that's all. When God starts moving, you need to let people know God is moving in the church, amen? I, I, I preach in a lot of churches, some people just like to look at like the dead. I was going to get with the guys and see if we couldn't put some electric buzzers under the seat and put the control up there every now and then, push that, and see people jump up. Woo! Visitors come in all of a sudden. Woo! Well, them people got the Holy Spirit, don't they? <laughs> Trying to get Baptists to get excited nowadays. We, 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 got, we got put down by this charismatic movement. We we're afraid of the Holy Spirit. We're afraid of being... Hey, I'm happy. I'm happy. We sit quiet. We don't want to be said anything. We just sit around. He wanted Saul to see what was happening in Antioch. And that's what we knew. You need to get closer to the Bible, preaching church that will help change your family, help change your life, and do what God can do in your life. Everything God does in people's life is through the local church. Amen. We see their mannerism. Verse 23. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all with a purpose of heart, they should cleave unto the Lord. They were glad. This was in happy fellows. He is not discouraged. He is not miserable. He is not mad at the world. When this man comes down, they say, there is something different about those Christians. What's the difference about them? They're happy people. Now, I understand that some of us come in here with a frown on our face, doom and gloom, Agony on me. But you know what? We should be the happiest people on the planet Earth. You may, I'm telling you, you should come to church with a smile on your face. Why? Because I know what God has done for you. We should be the happiest people there is. But when you get to church, we become the saddest. We're the doom and gloom crew. We sit around, no smile. I don't want to smile because somebody think I'm happy. Well, I do. <laughs> Man, there need to be some excitement in your life. I, if we was to go to the park when they had these roller coasters to go way up yonder, 
and you hit that very top apex and it just about come over and you look down, you're about a mile and a half down before you hit that bottom, you'll let go some excitement, won't you? I did. Come to church, go to ball games. Woo-hoo-hoo. Come to church. You should be happy. You should be happy. The more you smile, the more you shout, the quicker I get done, the quicker you get to go eat lunch. Nine points. Nine points this morning. Amen. They, they, they were happy people. They were happy people. It doesn't. Just keep doing what God has called us to do. We've seen all the things. We see their morals. Verse 24. He was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people were added to the Lord. That phrase, good man, means upright, honorable. In other words, they watched Barnabas' life in the church, and they would call them Christians because they said, they're living right. They're living honorable, clean, Holy Ghost-filled life. They said they watch these people, and they're not like the rest of the world we see. They're not cussing, complaining. They're not putting each other down. They act like they got hope. They got help. They got healing in their souls. They're not posting the same things on social media like the rest of the world. You know, I notice that I hit that hard all the time. I find that Christians are starting to say stuff on on social media that should not say. Especially if anybody here on social media, please do not use our church name when you post something. It's a bad eye. We don't do that because we got morals. It's a sad day when we, sad day when I can say the world has more morals than the church of God. I'm telling you that most churches don't have the standards that some of the secular organizations, you know, Chick-fil-A has a standard of their employees. They, they can't post anything negative on their social media. They can't cuss. They got to dress right, act right, talk right. It's in their contract when they sign up. They got all these standards that they have to meet. And if you don't meet them, they get rid of you. Boy, if that's the way the church did it, said we've got all these standards. <laughs> And if you don't meet them, we're just going to get rid of you. We wouldn't have no churches today. We wouldn't have any. Just wouldn't have them. But we, we need to have standards. We need more accountability in our churches today. It ought to not be so. The cleanest group of people ought to be the church of Jesus Christ this morning. You ought ought to be living your life the cleanest at anywhere else. We we see their multiplication in verse 24. 
And much people are added unto the Lord. And I know, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I know we're not living in the great harvest time. I know that. I, I know that we're living in the last days. I know that people are getting saved, not like they were getting saved like it was in the 60s and 70s. But don't let, don't, don't use that as a clutch not to go out and tell somebody or invite somebody to church. Even though we say, well, we're living in the last days, those are going to get saved, going to get saved. No, it's your job still to go and invite them to the church. And then let me just say this. Every church should have some type of growth within the church. Some sort of multiplication that's going on at church. Where we produce what we are. God has not lost his power. We've lost ours. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. We're not the salt anymore. We're not making people thirsty for the word of God. We're not the light anymore because we don't hit it. Showing people where they should go. Part of the problem is not all the last days, but maybe it's because we see Christians not living the life anymore. Maybe the world's not seeing you as a Christian anymore. And they don't want what you've got. We see their meeting. It's like we are today. Verse 26, And when he had found, found in him, they brought him to the Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. One of the ways that were known as Christians because they were doing what we're doing this morning. I have heard people say, Well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No, but I tell you, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to need to go to church. You're going to be one. Bible tells us not to sit and neglect to assemble ourselves together. I'm going to come to church because I love church. I love the people of the church. I care for them. I want to help them. I want to give them strength. I want to encourage them to, hey, we're living in dark time. We're living in a dark world, and, and we need to encourage each other in this dark world. If you don't come to church, how can you get encouragement sitting at home watching some silly willy-dilly on TV and said, well, everybody's going to heaven anyway? No. The Bible says, tells me that hell enlarges itself daily. That means more people are going to hell than they're going to heaven. We've got problems. But we got churches that won't go out and say anything to the community, won't knock on a door and say, hey, God loves you. We don't do that. We need to spread the gospel. That in fact, that's our job to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. gathering ourselves together to help one another in difficult times. We see their misfortune. Verse 27. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto the Antioch. And there stood upon them named Abacus 
and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. There, there was a famine coming that came all over the world. Listen, it just didn't affect lost people. It affected saved people too. So we've got this idea because we're saved that we're not going to face the things that this world's going to face. You're going to face the same things that the sinners of this world is going to face. If there's going to be a famine, you're going to be part of it. If there's going to be a fire, you're going to be part of it. If there's going to be a flood, you're going to be part of it. But we have this idea that God would not allow us to do that. And if you come back tonight, I'll tell you about all that. But we have this idea that we will not endure the suffering that the world's going to endure. Yeah, you're going to face it. You're going to face it. And they, the sinners were lost and they, they were hungry. The saved were lost and, and they were hungry. It affected the saved people just as much as it affects the unsaved. But in spite of the fact that they were going through a famine, just like everybody else was, it didn't stop them from serving God. It didn't stop them walking with the Lord. They just kept on doing what God has told them to do. That's our problem today. When something comes up against us, arises up against us, we throw everything aside and we don't walk with God anymore. There ain't one of us sitting here that hasn't been through a heartache. And I've been through some and I've thought about, Lord, I, I don't want to do this no more. I don't want to walk this way no more. But God said, no. You can't. And he's right, I can't. I've got to keep walking this way. No matter how hard it gets, how difficult it gets, I know that the world is going through the same thing that I went through, but I'm going through it with something in my heart that they don't have. And they need to see me going through that with joy in my heart and joy in my life. Said, I know what you're going through. I've seen what you were going through. How you got a smile on your face? Is there something different? I got something you ain't got. You're going to face misfortunes. You're going to face in rough times. And we've all, we've all gone to the graveyard. Amen. We've all laid someone down that we love dearly. We all face that. But as a Christian, I can face it with joy because I know I'll see them again. I, I know that they've gone on to be a better place and I, I soon uh, praying that I get there soon to be with them again. But I don't have to gloom and doom all the rest of my life down here because I got joy in my heart that I'm going to see them one day. We see their mission. Verse 29. Then disciples of every man according to his ability to determine to Send relief unto brethren which would dwell in Judea. Every man according to his ability. His ability. Which also died, they sent the elders of the hand of Barnabas and Saul. This was a mission mind church. Listen, you, you, you can't say I'm a Christian and don't believe in missions because that is to getting the gospel out to the lost and dying world. 
even if you just go through that door right there, that's a mission field out there. Now, I, I know our church is a mission-minded church because we support missions. We support people that go out. We help them. We encourage them. We pray for them. That's what we should be. But you as yourself, as a Christian, you are a missionary. That missionary means that you have to go out and witness to those around you. See, we got this idea, it's the deacon's job. We don't have no deacons, do we? No. It's the preacher's job only to witness to people and go out. It's not. It's Christian's job. Christian's job. It's your job. My job. As Christians. Not as a pastor, not as a singer, but as a Christian to tell everybody about Jesus Christ. So, these nine points, do you check all nine in your life that you are doing all these things to be identified as a Christian? Somebody around you can look at you and say, hey, that person sure is a Christian because I see these things in their life. Or do they see something totally different? Or they see and say, well, they say they're a Christian, but boy, I'm telling you what, they're standing around in water cooler and telling jokes like everybody else doing. Amen. Can I say this, and I'm saying it with the humblest heart I can say, you know, it's hard for somebody to witness to somebody sitting down at the bar stool. You get that? <laughs> you can't go to the bar and say, hey, why don't you come to church with me tomorrow? But we do have that. We do have that. Somebody look at your life. Can they say without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. That you are a Christian. And we just went through all these points. That said they, they recognize this in their lives. To call them a Christian. Can you recognize these points in your life to be called a Christian this morning?